Hello, I am Joshua P. Warren, and this is Joshua P. Warren Daily. Of course, I am frequently the guest on radio programs, and last night I was the guest on Heather Wade's new incarnation of the Kingdom of Nye. In fact, I was her uh, very first guest kicking off this new incarnation, and we had a great conversation, as we always do. Um, It's a long show. It's four hours, and uh, I got brought in after the first 30 minutes, so it was three and a half hours of talking. It takes a toll on you. Trying to keep my voice intact here. I have another interview to do later today, uh, especially on programs like hers where um, the breaks are are not very long. But uh, anyway, when you often make arrangements to be a guest on a radio program, you'll have a producer who will contact you in advance and say, here are some of the topics that we'd like to discuss. And, you know, can you provide some questions and a bio and a picture and all this kind of stuff? Um, And so her producer contacted me and said one of the things they were interested in talking to me about uh, was CERN and the Large Hadron Collider and, you know, basically some of the concerns and conspiracies about that. And I am familiar, you know, with CERN, but, you know, I wouldn't consider myself to have any particular expertise So I brushed up on uh, CERN and what some people are thinking and saying about what's happening there. And then here I go on the show and we do this big, you know, three and a half hour interview and the topic never comes up, (laughs) Um, which frequently happens um, when you do these programs. A producer will say, well, be prepared to talk about this and then you brush up and then it doesn't come up. But that's fine because we still had a wonderful conversation and everything we discussed was uh was mind-boggling and it was just great content and uh there was just you know too much too much content really i mean we always go through so many rabbit holes and wormholes but uh anyway for me that's fine because nothing goes to waste in my world of content and that's because i have for one thing this podcast so i figured i'm going to um to talk a little bit here about my thoughts on CERN that I had gathered to potentially talk about on her program. Now, first off, I'll sort of give you a refresher on exactly what CERN is. Um, CERN was formed in 1954 in Switzerland, and basically it's an acronym. uh, It's an acronym, and I guess it's probably Swiss, but it basically means the Council of European Research of the Nuclear. So it's a big base, if you want to look at it that way, a big facility over there in Switzerland where all of these scientists get together and they work on nuclear issues, scientists from all over the world. And their big achievement, of course, was creating the Large Hadron Collider, which is the largest machine in the entire world. They spent billions and billions of dollars making this. I think it, you know, somewhere around ten million dollars. It took them about ten years to build it between 1998 and 2008. Now, the Large Hadron Collider is just a gigantic loop. It's like a big tunnel, and this tunnel is 17 miles long. This big loop. 
and it's buried about 300 feet below the the surface of the earth and what they do essentially is they take things different types of matter different types of particles and they spin them around this giant loop at incredible speeds almost the speed of light and then they slam them together and they have all these measurement devices right there that are able to measure these incredibly uh, tiny, minute aspects of what happens when these things get slammed together. And, and what they're really trying to do is just break stuff apart so that they can see what the parts are. And in fact, the word hadron, uh, actually, it, that's a term for a clump of quarks. Now, a quark is so tiny, don't even try to imagine how tiny a quark is because, you know, you can't even really imagine how small atoms are. But within atoms, you have subatomic particles, and then within those particles, you have quarks. Okay, we're, again, we're getting so tiny here that it, it's, it is ridiculous to try to imagine it. It's unimaginable and yet somehow they can measure it. Now look, and I'm not going to pretend to you that I am some kind of a bona fide physicist who understands all this. I am not. I do my best, okay? So that said, they're slamming things together, breaking them apart, and looking at the parts. And the crowning achievement as of, as of this date with the, the Large Hadron Collider was the uh, the measurement of the Higgs boson particle. Now, uh, I know you've heard about the Higgs boson. Some people call it the God particle, which uh, no scientist likes that term, and I'll, I'll explain why that is in a moment. But let me just give you a sense of what the Higgs boson is. Again, I'm not a physicist and and there there is very precise terminology and language here that I'm sure that I'm not going to properly use but I'll take a stab at this basically the physicists tell us that there is this field that occupies every single part of the universe called the Higgs field it's like a background field it, it, to me it's very much like the force from Star Wars, so you can. I think that's how I think of the Higgs field. It's like what physicists call the force. And then the the boson is a particle that is sort of uh, how the Higgs field manifests, and the Higgs field determines how other matter behaves. So some things move through the Higgs field easily and some things don't. And so that determines something about, uh, I guess, is there mass or something? I can't, you know. So basically, the Higgs field and the way things move through the Higgs field, um, it, it determines how matter behaves. Let's put it that way. And I actually, it's one time I, I saw a program where someone said, and this is a very weird analogy, but... Uh, some, some science communicator was saying like, well, um, when you have a party and, and there's a room full of people, uh, some people 
can just walk from one side of the room to the other very quickly because they're sort of unnoticed and nobody wants to talk to them. And then somebody else goes through and that person's very popular and everybody wants to talk to them and interact with them and it takes that person forever to get from one side of the room to the other. And that the party is kind of like the Higgs field. And so some things move through more quickly and others move more slowly, you know, and so you're like, that's very weird because we're talking about something that's based upon sort of some element of personality and consciousness. So if that's an accurate comparison, it's a pretty interesting one. But anyway, um, this, you know, the, the, the existence of this thing called the Higgs boson had been theorized for decades, and then finally um, they discovered it uh, was was actually true that it was there by doing experiments between 2011 and 2013. All these physicists were elated, like, yes, it's true. We have now filled a gap in our understanding of subatomic physics and how how everything is supposed to work here and uh, Nobel Prizes were handed out and that sort of thing. So that's the big crowning achievement. All right, great. Now, I don't know if the day that they first slammed things together at at almost the speed of light and measured the Higgs boson, I don't know if your house shook or if you heard a clap of thunder or if your lights flickered or whatever, I'm joking, of course. You probably didn't notice anything. Your day went on just as usual. And so that's why it's kind of interesting interesting to me that there are some people out there who are scared shitless about what they're doing at CERN, slamming these tiny, tiny things together and measuring these tiny, tiny things. Because one of the reasons that people have referred to the Higgs boson as the, quote, God particle, is that when they slam these things together and they're creating this uh, amazing explosion, but on a very tiny scale, it's supposed to be somewhat similar to maybe the Big Bang. The Big Bang that, that supposedly set all of our current experiences into motion. That's the theory, you know. And so, uh, but again, scientists don't like that term for a number of reasons. It's very sensationalistic is the term they often use. Um, But that's what critics sort of latch onto. Oh my gosh, man is playing God. How dare man try to create a miniature Big Bang? Well, I've got some news for you. Man plays God every single day. Okay, um, every time you uh, you go to the doctor, that's you know that that could be considered the same thing. So we won't get into that. That's going off on too much of a tangent. But nonetheless, so I, I I've heard for years people say, oh, over at CERN, they're up they're up to no good. Man is playing God. They are going to open some kind of a portal and they're going to allow some kind of terrible demonic force to come into our world or they're just going to create something like a black hole and boom it's lights out earth is gone the whole planet's destroyed i mean it's like one minute earth is there and the next minute we're gone we've all been crunched into nothingness in a black hole and so 
um, I wondered how serious you know people really were about this, and so I got online and I started reading all of these criticisms and watching all of these terrifying videos, um, often that are associated with biblical prophecy, talking about this idea that uh, you know this is this is man going too far, and and this is I believe fed a little bit by interpretations of some news articles that have been uh, quite compelling, shall we say. For example, here's one that I came across from 2009. This is an article from the Register in the UK. And the headline is, quote, something may come through dimensional doors at the Large Hadron Collider. All right. So... Um says here in the article that uh, the Titanic machine may possibly create or discover previously unimagined scientific phenomena or unknown unknowns for existence and extra dimension. And here is the thing that I believe really hit home. Here is a quote from Sergio Bertolucci who at that time, and I don't know if he still is, was, uh, who is, we'll say, Director for Research and Scientific Computing at CERN. And I did verify that this is this is a real man. And again, I don't know if he's still in this capacity, but at that time he, he was. Sergio Bertolucci, Director for Research and Scientific Computing at CERN. And uh, he was saying... Sure enough, here, and I, again, I'm looking over this article that doors may open. That there are again unknown unknowns, and there may be an extra dimension. Okay, he here's his actual uh, one actual quote. He says, "Out of this door might come something." Or we might send something through it. End quote. Okay, so that's a that's a portal, right? That's a that's basically what a portal is. It's a door that one thing can can go into or come out of. And uh, I actually think I might do another podcast where I give you more of my thoughts on what portals are. I'm going to make a note of that because I have I have some interesting thoughts on portals myself. And um, I'll get into a little of that in a second. But all right, so you have people like him saying these things that uh, those who are worried about will immediately latch on to. So I thought about this. Here is my opinion for what it's worth. Okay, let's look at, um, well, okay, one possibility. Let's say, okay, we open a portal and some kind of a demonic thing slips into our our dimension and all of a sudden we're screwed. Okay, well, what does that mean exactly? I don't even know exactly what that means. Does that mean we're all enslaved or does that just mean bad things start happening? I don't know. And I really am not the least bit worried about it. I don't lose any sleep over that whatsoever. For one thing, it'd probably be kind of cool to see what would come through from another dimension. 
might be worth taking the risk just to just to check it out. Um, but I think if you do something so extraordinary, so extraordinary as to open a portal using this technology in that instant when that explosion occurs whatever might come through would probably be so different that i mean for one thing we can't even imagine what it would be but it'd probably be so different that if it were suddenly thrust into our dimension it would be so disoriented we would be the ones who would have the upper hand it, w- it would be the thing that didn't know what the hell was going on. How did I get sucked out of my house into this realm? Um, it's not like it, it's going to come through and say, Aha, I've been waiting for this moment. Thank you. You know, like, like some evil genie that comes out of the bottle. I don't think that that's a realistic way of viewing it. In fact, I think that if you're concerned about that kind of thing, you should be much more interested in things that are easier to do that might excite beings that are already here a little just but just slightly outside of our realm so what i mean is going to say a haunted location or some kind of paranormally active location where there's something there already that's just kind of sort of interacting once in a while on a limited basis that has some kind of familiarity with our realm and then you give it a little extra juice by firing up a van de graaff electrostatic machine or a tesla coil or something like that to make the dimensional boundary uh more fragmented and loose and flexible so that that thing is able to gain a stronger foothold i you know i have done my own experiments opening portals and that's something that i'm i'm sure that i again will talk about on a separate podcast uh but that's a much easier simpler thing to do because you're not you're not taking it to such an extraordinary extreme what you're doing is you're just taking stuff that's already you know kind of close to home and it's more realistic than giving that a little a little boost would uh, that might be worrisome because now this is something that actually understands perhaps what's going on here and it's just been sort of peering through the window the whole time and uh, and now you open the window and it, and then it can go finally you know I'm here uh, that's what you might want to worry about I don't think you have to worry about anything that might actually appear in a blast of energy uh, in in the large hadron collider as a matter of fact it's possible that um, it could it will destroy more than it could create so that is to say instead of opening a portal where something could come in it's much more likely that it would just uh rip things to shreds and uh, maybe even prevent something from coming in so i'm not concerned about that uh, the second issue is well what if in slamming these things together there is such an unexpected result that something like a black hole is somehow created and it instantly sucks all of earth into it and we, you know everything's gone it destroys the world i hate to say it but you know what that sounds pretty good to me and the reason it sounds good to me is because that would mean lights out we're all gone at once and to me the worst part of life 
is having to watch your friends and loved ones die. And, you know, and death usually is not something that happens quickly. You know, people go through these long, agonizing spells, and then there are all these complications once the person is dead. You know, what happens with all the, all the legal aspects and the financial aspects. That is the worst part of life, is watching other people have to suffer and, and drop off and die. That's even worse than your own demise. I mean, most people really don't care as much about their own demise as they do the demise of their loved ones. And so, you know, when I die, uh, I don't want people to have to go through that pain because if they were my friend or, or my loved one, um, and I don't want to watch them die. It's a terrible thing. It's kind of nice to think that there might be some scenario in which all of a sudden we all just go together in the blink of an eye without any pain, any sort of long, drawn-out, agonizing thing. We just all go poop, and we are now in whatever other place. Whatever the next thing is, we're all there together. That sounds kind of cool to me. So, look, I don't like the idea, of course, of... uh, nuclear Armageddon, you know, that's that's a horrific thing where you're just creating gigantic firestorms and, you know, that's that's a messy business. But if uh, if everything could could just end at once, it's a selfish thing for for us humans to think that way. But the point is, it's nothing to fear. It's nothing for you to be afraid of. But regardless, I don't think either one of these things are plausible. I don't think that the Large Hadron Collider and the experiments they're doing at CERN is going to create some portal that will allow something evil to come through, and I don't think it's going to destroy the world or open up something that we have to be concerned about, and that is because humans, no matter what they do, are not that powerful. This is another example of us having these gigantic egos and this very limited point of view. We are so egocentric that we actually believe that that we, these little ants, yes, I'm talking about you and me, that we, these little ants crawling around on the surface of this planet, are somehow advanced enough that we could honestly just like make this whole thing that's been here for eons just vanish I mean we are not that cool folks (laughs) Uh, and it's a good thing it's a good thing isn't it that humans are not that powerful everybody's got a term limit here (laughs) and so um, therefore no matter what they do, yes, it's going to be it's going to be impressive and it's going to be interesting and it's going to be done on a grander scale than humans have ever done it before. But uh, it's nothing that you should worry about compared to the magnitude of the universe. And uh, I don't think I need to go through this, you know, like you're some child and 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 talk to you about, you know, the the, the powers of 
of the the mountains and the oceans and the stars and you know it's like uh, this is this is a pretty big deal here all this stuff I don't know where it came from but I didn't make it and you didn't make it we're a part of it but uh, whatever did assemble all this however it was assembled um, is so much greater that humans cannot destroy it. Uh, now we we I'm not saying that can't happen on a smaller scale. Yeah, you can go out and you can you can destroy your own backyard. You know, you can go burn down a forest. You can pollute the air. Or, I mean, whatever you can pollute the water. But Mother Nature, it it has a way of taking care of of those things. Uh, it may take some time. You know, even if it takes a thousand years or whatever. But what is time in terms of Mother Nature? I mean, what a thousand years to you or me? That's again. That's you can't even imagine how long it is to live for a thousand years. But in terms of Mother Nature, that's nothing. That's why it's always interesting to talk to geologists. They like to talk in terms of geologic time, which you know <laughs> we're talking billions of years. Uh, that they are kind of like the other end of the spectrum when it comes to the big stuff. You know, astronomers and geologists are talking about billions of distances or, or, or billions of, of, of light years or whatever in terms of distance or uh, billions of years and you know, like gigantic numbers. And then physicists are on the opposite end talking about things that are so tiny that you can't really imagine them. Um, but it doesn't matter how big we can go, how little we can go, you and I and nobody else on this planet right now can do anything that's going to um, to come close to the powers, the godlike powers that people are worried that man might somehow be inheriting. So that said, um, those are my, my thoughts for now on um, conspiracies regarding CERN and the Large Hadron Collider and all that sort of thing. Um, I mentioned I have to do another radio program. I'm going to be for the first time, I believe, on the Dr. J live radio show today or this evening, depending on where you are. I'm going to go on at 4 p.m. Pacific time, which will be 7 p.m. East Coast time, and that'll be for two hours. I'm not sure what we're going to get into, but I'm sure it will be some good stuff. Uh, I have lots of uh, lots of interviews this month, and uh, I'm, I'm actually having to turn down a lot of invitations um, over the past three days, I've had three different television production companies contact me, asking me to work with them on projects, and I say, sorry, can't do it. I, uh, I'm already under contract with another uh, project, So, uh, and hopefully I'll be able to talk to you more about some of the stuff I'm up to in that regard as well soon. Um, so... That said, I want to remind you now, today is October the 3rd. That means 10 days from now, I will be in Los Angeles, and I will be presenting in person my final wishing machine extravaganza. Everybody gets a free gift, and I am doing, um, I'm going to be revealing some things and talking about some things I've never revealed and talked about before. And uh, I hope that you will come there and meet me in person and you will leave there with a whole different mindset. 
So if you go to joshuapwarren.com, that's uh, no period after the P in joshuapwarren.com, you'll find a link to the top of the page that you can click for information on tickets while they last. And uh, you'll also find a link to this podcast. It's called Joshua P. Warren Daily. It's always short. It's always free. Totally independent. Totally uncensored. And you can subscribe through various means or just follow me on Twitter at Joshua P. Warren at Joshua P. Warren and I will tweet when a new one is available. So thank you for your interest and support. Thank you for listening. Thank you for staying curious and I will talk to you again soon.